A pair of goblins bowed them through the silver doors, and they were in vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools behind a long counter, scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins in brass scales, examining precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid to a free goblin. We come to take some money out of Mr. Potter's safe. You have his key, sir? Got it here somewhere, said Hagrid as he started emptying his pockets on the counter, scattering a handful of moldy dog biscuits over the goblin's book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose. Harry watched the goblin on the right weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals. Got it, said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at it closely. That seems to be in order. And I got a letter from Professor Dumbledore, said Hagrid importantly, throwing out his chest. It's about you-know-who-what in Vault 713. The goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handing it to Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both vaults. Griphook Grip Hook was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid has crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pockets, he and Harry followed Griphook toward one of the doors leading off the hall. What's you know what in vault 713? Harry asked. Can't tell ya, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me. More in my job's worth to tell you that. Griphook held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. They were in a narrow stone passageway lit with flaming torches. It sloped steeply downward, and there were little railway tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled and a small cart came hurling up the tracks toward them. They climbed in, haggard with some difficulty, and then they were off. <clears throat> At first, they just hurtled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember left, right, right, left, middle fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its way <clears throat> because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept them wide open. Once, he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of the passage and twisted around to see if it was a dragon. But too late, they plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake where huge stalactites and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and the floor. I never know, Harry called to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? Stalagmite's got a nem in it, said Hagrid, and don't ask me questions just now. I think I'm going to be sick. He did look very green, and when the cart stopped at last beside a small door in the passageway, Harry got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees from trembling. Crip Hook unlocked the door, a lot of green smoke came billowing out, and his was and it was cleared. Harry gasped. Inside were mounds and mounds of gold coins, <clears throat> columns of silver, 
Heaps of little bronze nuts. All yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's. It was incredible that Dursleys couldn't have known about this or they'd have had it from him faster than a blinking. How often had they complained how much Harry cost them to keep, and all the time there had been a small fortune belonging to him, buried deep down in London. Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it in a bag. The gold ones are galleons, he explained. Seventeen silver sickles to a galleon and twenty-nine nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Right, that should be enough for you a couple of terms. We'll keep the rest safe for you. He turned to grip Hook. Vault 713 now, please, and can we go more slowly? One speed only, said Grip Hook. <clears throat> they were even going deeper now and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurtled toward tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leaned over to the side to try to see what was down at the dark bottom. But Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingernails, and it simply melted away. If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, they'd be sucked through the door and trapped in here, said Griphook. <clears throat> How often do you check to see if anyone's inside, Harry asked. About once every ten years, said Griphook, rather nasty, with a nasty green. Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top security vault. Harry was sure, and he learned, and he leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least. But at first he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in brown paper bag lying on the floor. Hagrid picked it up and tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but knew better than to ask. <clears throat> Come on back, he said in this infernal cart. And don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I kept me mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first now that he had a bag full of money he didn't know how many galleons were there to a pound to know what he was hold that he was holding more money than he'd ever had in his whole life more money than even dudley had ever had might as well get your uniform said hagrid nodding toward madame malkin's robes for all occasion Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slip out for a pick-me-up in the leaky cauldron? I hate them Gringotts cards. He did still look sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, a smiling witch dressed in mauve. Hogwarts, dear, she said. When Harry started to speak, God... The lot here, another young man fitted up just now, in fact. In the back of the shop, a boy with a pale, pointed face was standing on the footstool while the second witch pinned up his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on a stool next to him. 
slipped a long robe over his head and began to pin it to the right leg. Hello, said the boy, Hogwarts too? Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying my books and my mother's up the street looking at one, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at racing rooms. I don't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into getting me one and I'll smuggle it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, said Harry again, wondering what on earth Quidditch would be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house. And I must say, I agree. Know what house you'll be in yet? No, said Harry, feeling more stupid in the minute. Well, no one really knows until they get there, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family have been. Imagine being in Hufflepuff. I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Mm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy, suddenly nodding toward the front window. Haggard was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing at two large ice creams to show he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy, I've heard of him. He's sort of a servant, isn't he? He's the gameskeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I heard he's sort of a savage. Lives in a hut on school grounds and every now and then gets drunk and tries to do magic and ends up setting fire to his bed. Do you, said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. He didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy. Oh, sorry, said the other, not sounding sorry at all. But they were our kind, weren't they? They're a witch and a wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think they should let the other sort in, do you? They're just not the same. They've never been brought up to know our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts until they get the letter. Imagine, I think they should keep it in the old wizarding families. What's your surname anyway? But before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin said, That's it, you've done, my dear. And Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. Well, I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate the ice cream. Hagrid had bought him chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed colors as he wrote. When they'd left the shop, he said, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blimey, Harry, I keep forgetting how little you know, not knowing about Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told Hagrid about the pale boy in Madame Falcon. And he said people from muggle family shouldn't even be allowed in. You're not from a muggle family. If he'd known who you were, he's grown up knowing your name if his parents are wizarding folk. You saw what everyone in the Leaky Cauldron was like when they saw you. 
Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best I ever saw were the ones with magic in them in a long line of muggles. Look at your mom. Look what she's had for a sister. So, what is Quidditch? Oh, it's her sport. Wizarding sport. It's like soccer in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch. Played up in the air on broomsticks. And then there's four balls. Sort of hard to explain the rules. And what's the Slytherin and Hufflepuff? Schoolhouses. There's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff are a lot of duffers. But I bet I'm in Hufflepuff, said Harry gloomily. Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. There's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was one, Vol. Sorry, you know who was at Hogwarts? Ten years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Blots, where the shelves were stacked to the ceiling with books as large as paving stones bound in leather. Books the size of postage stamps and covers of silk. Books full of peculiar symbols and a very few books with nothing in them. Even Dudley, who'd never read anything, would have been wild to get his hands on some of these. Hagrid almost had to drag Harry away from curses and counter-curses, bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges, hair loss, jelly legs, tongue-tying, and much, much more by Professor Vindictus Viridian. I was trying to find out how to curse Dudley. I'm not saying that's not a good idea, but you're not to use magic in the muggle world except in very special circumstances, said Hagri. And anyway, you couldn't work on any of them curses yet. You'll need a lot more study before you get to that level. Hagrid wouldn't let Harry buy a solid gold cauldron either. It says pewter on your list, but they got a nice set of scales for weighing potion ingredients and a collapsible brass telescope. Then they visited the apothecary, which was fascinating enough to make up for its horrible smell. A mixture of bad eggs and rotted cabbages, barrels of slimy stuff stood on the floors, jars of herbs, dry bro- dried roots, and bright powders lined the walls, bundles of feathers, strings of fangs, and snarled claws hung from the ceiling while Hagrid asked the man behind the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry. Harry